slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones, looking for fun and feeling groovy. You angel, you poet as messengers. When people you love see angels in the curtains, exploring angels through the lens of poetry, from the Bible through Milton and Blake and Dickinson and Tony Kushner and Dylan and Alice Walker and Lawrence Ferlinghetti and Whitman and Gwendolyn Brooks and Wallace Stevens and Thoreau and Emerson and Martin Espada and Neruda and so many more. This is the Poetry Slowdown. Welcome. We are at RadioMonterey.com, produced by Zappa Johns, our own Mr. Z, and I'm your host, Professor Barbara Mossberg, Dr. B. And today we're talking about angels. Who knew? This is something that I wrote uh, this April. It was a journal entry when I was in the house that my parents lived and died in um, since 1963. It is very comforting to walk around Oak Knoll and touch things that mommy touched or daddy touched. Who knew that the everyday would become momentous? Anything, a hammer, a picture, a frame, something their eyes laid on, something their hands held that occupied their minds. In the corner of the living room, there is a table on which I have put angels I gave my mother over the years for what reason I did not know. I did not know what angels meant to her or what they are. I still do not really know, but I know that this seems the right altar for her. It sits before her pictures on the wall when, when she was 90 and look at her. Eyes bright, smile. I remember taking it. She could still make a happy, excited face when I asked her, obediently lighting up, looking beautiful and fresh. And when, when she was in her 20s, gorgeous, and she knew it, out of a painting, gorgeous, Botticelli hair, a model's lips and teeth, angels. I found a prayer book in a drawer with her writing in it. I was with her all the time. In her last years, I drove to see her every weekend. I spent weeks at a time in her house and still here when she was in that terrible place, she called it, down the street, the assisted living or whatever name was given for that home that was not a home where you are cared for by strangers. And I never knew. Yes, around the house, there were sayings on ceramics about the Lord, and we did say how we began each morning, this is the day the Lord has made. I would say that when I called her, and she would reply, 
let us rejoice and be glad in it. Once, when my grandmother died, she told me over the phone, I have made a shrine for her and it helps. I glossed this over as part of what I thought to be guilt, totally misplaced about her mother for whom she had cared and hopelessly tried to care for, along with her sorrowful brother to whom her mother was attached. My mother was a youthful appendix, an agent for the care of this man to whom my grandmother was devoted and perhaps she had no choice for who else would care for him without a father, this talented and difficult man. But little by little, angels emerged around the house, poised in window frames, odd places, and I would be traveling and see an angel and bring it home for her. I think of angels now, how Blake saw them in a tree when he was six, how they appear in the Bible. I loved angels in America. I read a poem the other day, Ah, Shelley's Ode to the West Wind, where he mentions angels in the rain. Bob Dylan and D.H. Lawrence write of angels. Angels are something written about by poets since humans first put language into soil, leaf, bark, air, as if language is expressed through earth and returns to earth, just as we humans are, poets say, dust returning to dust. Then there is a period of life on earth, consciousness, a short while, but each moment, eternity, while it is lived, a total present, when for some reason, whatever reason, we live in this form, have these thoughts and experiences, and put them into a form where we can share them. This same human mind comes up with what it means to live, what is here to see and know. And angels on our mind and in our sights have been with us a long time, active forces in our lives. My mother's angels in our house now, our little altar made of wood and clay and cloth, that is, plants, all earth elements, and the guardian angels in whom I believe there in our fairy tales and folk tales and films and songs, the figure appearing to you who was on your side, has your back, is protecting you. Think of It's a Wonderful Life. Well, so that began the idea for our show today, Poetry Slowdown. Angels are very active in the Bible. They're used by God as messengers and warriors and servants. The word angel comes from the Greek word angelos, which means messenger. So you get these um, angels who can appear in human form in Genesis. They praise God, Isaiah, they're messengers to the world in Luke. They watch over people in Psalms. Sometimes they're instruments of judgment in Matthew. And we hear about fallen angels. Um, we hear about epic angels. Angels are mighty 
and they're holy and they're innumerable. Well, it seems when I start investigating this that one poet after another is writing in a vital and vibrant way about angels and has personal relationships with angels. Alice Walker uh, recently wrote her memoir, and this is what it's called. You'll like it. The Chicken Chronicles, sitting with the angels who have returned with my memories. Glorious, Rufus, Gertrude Stein, Splendor, Hortensia, Agnes of God, the Gladyses, and Babe, a memoir. Yeah, that's the title of Alice Walker's memoir. Her stories and her poems deal with angels, and especially um, the passage from Hebrews 13.2. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. So she takes this up. Isn't this, in fact, poetry slowdown, the plot of stories and poems since stories were first recorded? Beauty and the Beast, all our folk and fairy tales, the messengers sent to us among us. I think of somebody like Henry David Thoreau. Now, we think of him in Walden and making his economies and how he spends his days and hours. We don't think of him necessarily as uh, living with angels. But the people who were the most important to him in his life, for example, John Brown, who was Thoreau's hero as a human rights, as a civil rights leader, as a leader of slavery bolt in Thoreau's time. You could still own people as property. Thoreau said about John Brown, he is an angel of light. There is a coming apocalypse, and John Brown is its prophet and avenging angel. Thoreau says, angels are always watching. I'm alarmed when it happens that I have walked a mile into the woods bodily without getting there in spirit. In my afternoon walk, I would fain forget all my morning occupations and my obligations to society. What business have I in the woods if I am thinking of something out of the woods? For many years, I have walked almost every day and sometimes for several days together. I have not yet exhausted them. An absolutely new prospect is a great happiness. Nowadays, almost all man's improvements, so-called as the buildings of houses and the cutting down of the forest and all the large trees, simply deform the landscape, make it more and more tame and cheap. I saw fences half consumed, their ends lost in the middle of the prairie, 
and some worldly miser with a surveyor looking after his bounds, while heaven had taken place around him, and he did not see the angels going to and fro. So for Thoreau, Walden, the world he traveled in his daily walks, at least he says four hours a day, it was occupied with angels and with spirit. Lawrence Ferlinghetti. It was a face which darkness could kill in an instant, a face as easily hurt by laughter or light. We think differently at night, she told me once, lying back languidly, and she would quote Cocteau. I feel there is an angel in me, she'd say, whom I am constantly shocking. Then she would smile and look away, light a cigarette for me, sigh and rise and stretch her sweet anatomy, let fall a stocking. Lawrence Ferlinghetti, Pictures of the Gone World. I love this. I feel there is an angel in me whom I am constantly shocking. Tony Kushner's Angels in America. Did you see this? Did you see it on the show on TV? Or did you see it on Broadway? When it came out, I had to go to New York. I had to take the train. I had to get there and see parts one and part two. That idea of this enormous angel descending from the rafters as large as the entire theater. Terrifying, momentous. We all had to see it. What did it mean that there were angels in America? Did we think that America was a place that was really not a place for angels, even though Thoreau said that his world was? Well, Tony Kushner says, I had a book of Bible stories when I was a kid. There was a picture I'd look at 20 times every day. Jacob wrestles with the angel. I don't really remember the story or why the wrestling, just the picture. Jacob is young and very strong. The angel is a beautiful man with golden hair and wings, of course. I still dream about it many nights. I'm, it's me in that struggle, fierce and unfair. The angel is not human and it holds nothing back. So how could anyone human win? What kind of fight is that? It's not just. Losing means your soul thrown down in the dust, your heart torn out from God's, but you can't not lose. And he says in Angels in America, part one, first things first, where did the angel come from? I had a dream 
1985, I believe, when a friend I'd gone to school with was sick, one of the first people I knew who'd gotten the AIDS virus. I had a dream of him in his bedroom with an angel crashing through the ceiling. I wrote a poem called Angels in America. I've never looked at the poem since the day I wrote it. And here's an excerpt from his play. Night flight to San Francisco. Chase the moon across America. God, it's been years since I was on a plane. When we hit 35,000 feet, we'll have reached the tropopause, the great belt of calm air, as close as I'll ever get to the ozone. I dreamed we were there. The plane leapt the tropopause, the safe air, and attained the outer rim, the ozone, which was ragged and torn. Patches of it threadbare as old cheesecloth, and that was frightening. But I saw something that only I could see because of my astonishing ability to see such things. Souls were rising from the earth far below. Souls of the dead, of people who had perished. And they floated up like skydivers in reverse, limbs all akimbo, wheeling and spinning, and the souls of these departed joined hands, clasped ankles, and formed a web, a great net of souls, and the souls were three atom oxygen molecules of the stuff of ozone, and the outer rim absorbed them and was repaired. Nothing's lost forever in this world. There's a kind of painful progress, longing for what we've left behind and dreaming ahead. At least, I think so. Tony Kushner, Angels in America, Perestroika. Angels we have heard on high, singing sweetly through the night. And the mountains in reply, echoing their brave delight. Angels we have heard on high. It's impossible to see the angel unless you first have a notion of it. That's James Hillman. Think in mounting higher. The angels would press on us and aspire to drop some golden orb of perfect song into our deep, dear silence. Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Angels in the Early Morning by Emily Dickinson. Angels in the Early Morning may be seen the dews among, stooping, plucking, smiling, flying. Do the buds to them belong? Angels, when the sun is hottest, may be seen the sands among, stooping, plucking, sighing, flying, parched, the flowers they bear along. It's Emily Dickinson. She saw angels from her upstairs bedroom, the pine tree, the mountain, the bird on the walk, and angels. I am the angel of the sun by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I 
and the angel of the sun, whose flaming wheels began to run when God's almighty breath said to the darkness and the night, let there be light, and there is light. An Angel in the House by James Henry Lay Hunt. How sweet it were if without feeble fright or dying of the dreadful beauty of sight, an angel came to us and we could bear to see him issue from the silent air at evening in our room and bend on ours his divine eyes and bring us from his bowers news of dear friends and children who have never been dead indeed, as we shall know forever. Alas, we think not what we daily see about our hearths, angels that are to be, or may be if they will, and we prepare their souls and ours to meet in happy air, a child, a friend, a wife whose soft heart sings in unison with ours, greeting its future wings. My Guardian Angel by Robert William Service When looking back I dimly see the trails my feet have trod. Some hand divine, it seems to me, has pulled the strings with God. Some angel form has lifeward leaned when hope for me was past. Some love sublime has intervened to save me at the last. For look you, I was born a fool, damnation was my fate, my lot to drivel and to drool, egregious and frustrate. But in the deep of my despair, when dark my doom was writ, some saving hand was always there to pull me from the pit. A guardian angel, how absurd. I scoff at power divine, and yet someone spoke the word that willed me from the swine, and yet Despite my scorn of prayer, my lack of love or friend, I know a presence will be there to save me at the end. God Permits Industrious Angels by Emily Dickinson God permits industrious angels afternoons to play. I met one, forgot my schoolmates, all for him. Straight away, God calls home the angel's promptly at the setting sun. I missed mine, how dreary, marbles after playing crown. It was wrong to do this, said the angel by Stephen Crane. It was wrong to do this, said the angel. You should live like a flower, holding malice like a puppy, waging war like a lambkin. Not so, quoth the man who had no fear of spirits. It is only wrong for angels who can live like the flowers, holding malice like the puppies, waging war like the lambkins. Wings of angels, tears of saints, prayers and promises won't bring you back. George MacDonald, 
out of the sky as I came through. What makes the light in them sparkle and spin? Some of the starry spikes left in. Where did you get that little tear? I found it waiting when I got here. What makes your forehead so smooth and high? A soft hand stroked it as I went by. What makes your cheek like a warm white rose? I saw something better than anyone knows. Whence that three-cornered smile of bliss? Three angels gave me at once a kiss. Where'd you get this pearly ear? God spoke and it came out to hear. Where did you get those arms and hands? Love made itself into hooks and hands. Feet, whence did you come, you darling things? From the same box as the cherub's wings. Where did you get that dimple so cute? God touched my cheek as I came through. How did they all come just to be you? God thought of me, and so I grew. The Angel by William Blake I dreamt a dream, what can it mean? And that I was a maiden queen, guarded by an angel mild. Witless woe was ne'er beguiled, and I wept both night and day, and he wiped my tears away, and I wept both day and night, and hid from him my heart's delight. So he took his wings and fled. Then the morn blushed rosy red. I dried my tears and armed my fears with 10,000 shields and spears. Soon my angel came again. I was armed. He came in vain. For the time of youth was fled and gray hairs were on my head. William Blake, the angel. I heard an angel by William Blake. I heard an angel singing when the day was springing, mercy, pity, peace is the world's release. Thus he sang all day over the new mown hay till the sun went down and haycocks looked brown. William Blake, his first major work, Songs of Innocence, imagines a poor chimney sweep visited by angels. By came an angel who had a bright key, and he opened the coffins and set them all free. Then down a green plain, leaping, laughing, they run and wash in a river and shine in the sun. Now, being a chimney sweep when William Blake was writing was one of the worst fates for a child. And Blake is really imagining uh, what what could redeem the situation? Blake had visions, and they sustained him as a man. They sustained him as an artist, and his visions were very often of angels. At the age of four, he saw God, and I'm quoting, put his head to the window, and at nine, he said he saw a tree full of angels. And he himself had a life of poverty and illness. And um, the more he suffered, the more he had visions and saw angels and dreams, which informed his poetry, his engravings, his watercolors, 
I mean, he was living in London. He was born there in 1857. His parents knew they had a very special, different child. And they sent him to art school when it was too expensive. Then he became an engraver. And so he was working with reproductions of Raphael and Michelangelo and Durer. And uh, he was looking at the art of angels. He engraved, he was studying the um, tombs at Westminster Abbey. And he may have done the sketches for these engravings. Um, and then, of course, he went to the Royal Academy of Art School and Design, and he studied Rubens. Um, and so he's seen angels in art. He's seen angels in the trees. He's seen angels as he walks down the street. Um, and he sees angels his whole life. And uh, he became so um, connected in, in our minds with angels. I mean, in his own words, a scene, a tree filled with angels, bright angelic wings, bespangling every bough like stars. Uh, when he watches haymakers at work, he sees angelic figures walking among them. He believed that he was personally instructed and encouraged by the archangels. In a letter to John Flaxman, he wrote in 1800, the town of Fivem is a sweet place for study because it's more spiritual than London. Heaven opens here on all sides her golden gates. Her windows are not obstructed by vapors. Voices of celestial inhabitants are more distinctly heard and their forms more distinctly seen. And my cottage is a shadow of their houses. I am more famed in heaven for my works than I could well conceive. In my brain are studies and chambers filled with books and pictures of old which I wrote and painted in ages of eternity before my mortal life. And these works are the delight and the study of our chain. In a letter to Thomas Betts, 1803, he wrote, Now I may say to you, what perhaps I should not dare to say to anyone else, that I alone can carry on my visionary studies in London unannoyed, and that I may converse with my friends in eternity, see visions, dream dreams and prophecy and speak parables, unobserved and at liberty from the doubts of other mortals, perhaps doubts proceeding from kindness, but doubts are always pernicious, especially when we doubt our friends. So he's so associated with angels and with infinity and eternity to see a world in a grain of sand and heaven in a wildflower. Hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. If the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear to man as it is infinite. I'll always be true. Never go out sneaking out on you, babe. Feel lonely, show me. Of course, that's the musical group, The Doors, who got their name.
from this bleak poem. He who binds to himself a joy does the winged life destroy. He who kisses the joy as it flies lives in eternity's sunrise. So Nancy Willard, in her book, A Visit to William Blake's Inn, sent to me by our poetry slowdown great poet, pilot, listener, and artist. Um, here is from A Visit to William Blake's Inn. This inn belongs to William Blake, and many are the beasts he's tamed, and many are the stars he's named, and many those who stop and take their joyful rest with William Blake. Two mighty dragons brew and bake, and many are the loaves they've burned, and many are the spits they've turned, and many those who stop and break their joyful bread with William Blake. Two patient angels wash and shake his feather beds, and far away snow falls like feathers. That's the day good children run outside and make snowmen to honor William. Blake. So Blake was this revolutionary thinker and he became a major influence on poets like Walt Whitman, William Butler Yeats, Allen Ginsberg. They all began to write about angels, singer-songwriters like Bob Dylan, John Lennon, Patti Smith, Chris Christopherson, Joan Baez, Joni Mitchell, and Bono. Um, I've played you, our producer, Zappa. Johns has played Jim Morrison and The Doors. Um, C.S. Lewis called Blake the great genius. Um, and his poem, Jerusalem, has become a Christian uh, hymn. Well, here is Blake again. I heard an angel singing when the day was springing. Mercy, pity, peace is the world's release. So William Blake is but one uh, poet who, whose life was literally surrounded by angels. The Child Angel by Tagore. They clamor and fight, they doubt and despair, they know no end to their wrangling. Let your life come amongst them like a flame of light, my child, unflickering and pure, and delight them into silence. Come and take your seat in the bosom of the limitless, my child. At sunrise, open and raise your heart like a blossoming flower. And at sunset, bend your head and in silence, complete the worship of the day. A Lost Angel by Ellis Parker Butler. When first we met, she seemed so white I feared her, as one might near a spirit bright I neared her. An angel pure from heaven above, I dreamed her, and far too good 
superhuman love I deemed her. Two or Three Angels by Stephen Crane Two or three angels came near to the earth. They saw a fat church. Little black streams of people came and went in continually, and the angels were puzzled to know why the people went thus, why they stayed so long within. So Steve Crane, as we hear, is really exploring and confused by and preoccupied by angels. Song of a Man Who Has Come Through by D.H. Lawrence. Not I, not I, but the wind that blows through me. A fine wind is blowing the new direction of time. If only I let it bear me, carry me. If only it carry me. If only I am sensitive, subtle, oh, delicate, a winged gift. If only, most lovely of all, I yield myself and am borrowed by the fine, fine wind that takes its course through the chaos of the world like a fine and exquisite chisel, a wedge blade inserted. If only I am keen and hard like the sheer tip of a wedge driven by invisible blows. The rock will split. We shall come at the wonder. We shall find the Hesperides. Oh, for the wonder that bubbles into my soul. I would be a good fountain, a good wellhead, would blur no whisper, spoil no expression. What is the knocking? What is the knocking at the door in the night? It is somebody wants to do us harm. No, no. It is the three strange angels. Admit them. Admit them. That long black chain is pulling on down. And I feel like I'm knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. On that theme of knocking, we just heard Bob Dylan knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. And on the theme of three angels, here's Bob Dylan. Three angels up above the street, each one playing a horn, dressed in green robes with wings that stick out. They've been there since Christmas morn. The wildest cat from Montana flashes, passes by in a flash. Then a lady in a bright orange dress, one U-Haul trailer, a truck with no wheels, the 10th Avenue bus going west, the dogs and pigeons fly up and they flutter around, a man with a badge skips by, three fellas crawling on their way back to work, nobody stops to ask why. The bakery truck stops outside of that fence where the angels stand high on their poles. The driver peeks out, trying to find one face in this concrete world of souls, the angels play on their horns all day. The whole earth in progression seems to pass by. But does anyone hear the music they play? Does anyone even try? Three angels up above the street. 
each one playing a horn. Dressed in green robes with wings that stick out. They've been there since Christmas morn. That's from Dylan's new May album, Fallen Angels. Angels are important to Dylan. You angel you. And I know you're going to be sort of singing this as you hear it. You angel you. You got me under your wing. The way you walk and the way you talk, I feel I could almost sing. You angel you. You're as fine as anything's fine. The way you walk and the way you talk, it sure plays on my mind. Could have been, would have been, should have been dead. Eighteen angels circle around your head. Ralph Waldo Emerson, the man of science, the most famous lecturer in the 19th century, writes about angels. The man who has seen the rising moon break out of the clouds at midnight has been present like an archangel at the creation of light and of the world. It is in rugged crises and unbearable endurance and in aims which put sympathy out of the question that the angel is shown. Every man contemplates an angel in his future self. We cannot let our angels go. We do not see that they only go out, that archangels may come in. I see it only that thyself is here, and art and nature, hope and fate, friends, angels, and the supreme being shall not be absent from the chamber where thou sittest. There is one topic forbidden to all well-bred, to all rational mortals, namely their distempers. If you have not slept, or if you have slept, or if you have a headache, or sciatica, or leprosy, or thunderstroke, I beseech you by all angels to hold your peace and not pollute the morning. He who loves goodness harbors angels, reveres reverence, and lives with God. D.H. Lawrence, again, my angel, his name is Freedom. Choose him to be your king. He shall cut pathways east and west and fend you with his wing. Our acts, our angels are, or good or ill, our fatal shadows that walk by us still. D.H. Lawrence is as occupied, perhaps, with angels as Thoreau and William Blake. He uh, has his characters as well as his own narrator self and his poetry. Um, so conscious of angels in his life. The three strange angels of Song of a Man who has come through. Um, but he's got angels in Lady Wife and um, this angel wife uh, in his poems in Paradise Reentered um, and Rose of All the World uh, in History. All of these angels 
are there. Lucille Clifton writes in her great epic poem, Brothers, Is the needle for which God help us, there is no substitute, or the ace of swords, when you are telling a fortune who tells death, or the jack of hearts, whose gypsy fortune we clasp in the middle of a poem? And are we angels, bird? That's what we're trying to tell him, Jack. There aren't any angels except when you and me blow them. So bird and I sing outside your window. So bird and I die outside your window. This is the wonderful world of Dixieland. Deny the bloody Holy Ghost. This is the end of the poem. You can start laughing. This is the end of the poem. Lucille Clifton. Is her and the time is long after. She's, she's covering in a certain way Milton, making it her own. Carolyn Brochet, tell me, tell us why, in the confusion of a mountain of babies stacked like cordwood, of limbs walking away from each other, tongues bitten through by the language of assault. Tell me, tell us why. You neither raised your hand nor turned away. Tell us why you watched the excommunication of that world and you said nothing. Still there is mercy, there is grace. How otherwise could I have come to this marble spinning in space propelled by the great thumb of the universe? How otherwise could the two roads of this tongue converge into a single certitude? How otherwise could I, a sleek old traveler, curl one day safe and still beside you at your feet, perhaps, but amen, yours. Martin Espada writes a book, Imagine the Angels of Bread. And he is like Lucille Clifton, asking us to think of oppression, power imbalances, inequality. And I reflect on how angels are on every poet's mind somehow. I realize that I, never thinking that I'm thinking of angels, found myself writing about angels one night in Austin, Texas, on a sofa three feet from a railroad that shook the walls, my daughter's discounted apartment that overlooked the rail yard. It's called Wake Up Call, Austin, 4.41 a.m. I think it is the strangest uh, thing I've ever written. I don't even know how it came to me. When I woke up, I had a bites on my neck and heard the train. I am glad not to have seen whatever made these eruptions this little mountain peak on my neck and volcano range inside of my knee and risings on my calf and thigh, feeling in the dark I imagine some monstrous creature biting me and not to see it, not to know what it was that kneeled on my flesh, pierced my flesh, evil 
or bowed in worship. I do not know the purpose, perhaps an angel calling on me, a visit, as I hear the clanking business of the train in the night, but do not see it. Perhaps its train purpose is not to call on me. Perhaps its purpose has nothing to do with me. But that cannot be so, since it is my ears, my being, awakened, alarmed, my profound shaking. These visitors I do not see, leaving gifts of bite or sound of train. May I serve the train, the insect, in my being, by my flesh, by my hearing. Might I, in this being of flesh and senses, open, giving, taken, given, might in this way I be of service. We cannot know how we serve. It could be angels who awaken us to the angels within us, this holy chance of life. I remember now Sophia telling me she did not sleep with the train, hearing what she thought was me in the next room walking about. I was not. I was sleeping. Who was it? Tonight, I hear the train. I hear the walking about, the noisy business of angels and their own earthly flight in life's engines, insect or train, fan or garbage service. I cannot say or know the boundaries of spirit in this world. The train rolls next to my window three flights down, and the night before I did not hear it at all. My people are scattered. I am Mars without my seas. Gravity has no pull. We are all weightless, hurtled into the universe. I'm a whirligig of consciousness, imagining and praying for each of us, the suffering of transforming into new lives, and what can I do? And last night, it can be only, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, until I am vibrating with you, with spirit of not knowing what to think, dazed with journey fatigue, of being in a new land, a new time, moving on, and not alone, in this clanking, raised new life, listening in darkness, called Woken Awake. My commentary on this. Bites. I was awakened in my daughter's apartment that shook streetcar named Desire style by the Amtrak and freight trains three stories down, 15 feet away from the walls. She got the apartment at a discount for this reason, her balcony overlooking the Amtrak parking lot. Everyone in my family was falling apart, and I was there to help, primarily by sleeping on the couch, as if simple presence matters, perhaps like the insect or train deployed an agent of the universe in the literal and metaphoric dark, not knowing that the evidence is everywhere. To see interiors of words illuminate the adjacencies of crawled upon and called upon, called, how desperate for holy signs, or open to the possibility in such mystery and language, to take alarm and see it as an alarm clock ring, disturbing darkness, rising to the occasion for some purpose, Words become the source of possible revelation, the connection in my mind of waking up, wake-up call, calling, noun and verb, called, called upon, visit, presence, presence, rising, roused, awakened, waking, woken, broken, breaking, day-breaking, light and dark, not knowing as the best kind of 
knowing, hope. And I find the spirit in Wallace Stevens who talks about the necessary angel and Miroslav Holub's account of his time in the U.S. and he's in medicine, Angel on Wheels, Sketches from the USA, Cheslaw Milots, All Was Taken From You, White Dresses, Wings, Even Existence, Yet I Believe You, Messengers, There Where the World Is Turned Inside Out, A Heavy Fabric Embroidered With Stars and Beasts, You Stroll, Inspecting the Trustworthy Seams. Short as your stay here, now and then at a matinal hour, the sky is clear and a melody repeated by a bird or in the smell of apples at close of day when the light makes the orchards magic. They say somebody has invented you, but to me this does not sound convincing for the humans invented themselves as well. The voice, no doubt it is a valid proof as it can belong only to radiant creatures, weightless and winged after all. Why not? Girdled with the lightning. I have heard that voice many a time when asleep, and what is strange, I understood more or less an order or an appeal in an unearthly tongue. Day, draw near, another one. Do what you can. Chesla, Milots. Edgar Allan Poe, revered by Abraham Lincoln, brings angels to the forefront from his angel of the odd to his poetry, all of which have angels in them. Helped are those who are content to be themselves. Helped are those who love the entire cosmos. Helped are those who love others unsplit off from their faults. To them will be given clarity of vision. Helped are those whose ever act is a prayer for harmony in the universe. Helped are those who risk themselves for others. This helped litany about how to be an angel by Alice Walker. I'm thinking poetry slow down of the idea that our poets are messengers, angels, and thus this poem by Lawrence Ferlinghetti, constantly risking absurdity and death whenever he performs above the heads of his audience. The poet, like an acrobat, climbs on rhyme to a high wire of his own making and balancing on I-beams above a sea of faces, paces his way to the other side of day, performing entre-shots and slate-of-foot tricks and other high theatrics, and all without mistaking anything for what it may not be, for he's the super-realist who must perforce perceive taught truth before the taking of each dance or step in his supposed advance toward that still higher perch where beauty stands and waits with gravity to start her death-defying leap. And he, a little Charlie Chaplin man, who may or may not catch her fair eternal form, spread-eagled in the empty air of existence. In excelsis Deo, angels we have of Emily Dickinson. This is the news that nature told. This is my letter to the world that never wrote to me, the simple news that nature told with tender majesty, 
Her message is committed to hands I cannot see. The love of her sweet countrymen judge tenderly of me. God calls home the angels promptly at the setting sun. The only news I know is bulletins all day from immortality. The only shows I see tomorrow and today perchance eternity. The only one I meet is God. The only street existence this traversed. If other news there be or admirable show, I'll tell it you. Emily Dickinson, the angel. Or I think of how Lincoln refers to the better angel, of how Walt Whitman is considered in these terms, or Allen Ginsberg on Walt Whitman in his A Supermarket in California. What thoughts I have of you tonight, Walt Whitman, for I have walked down the side streets under the trees with a headache, self-conscious looking at the full moon. In my hungry fatigue and shopping for images, I went into the neon fruit supermarket dreaming of your enumerations. Wet peaches and wet penumbras, whole families shopping at night, aisles full of husbands, wives in the avocados, babies in the tomatoes, and you, Garcia Lorca, what were you doing down by the watermelons? I saw you, Walt Whitman, childless, lonely old grubber, poking among the meats in the refrigerator and eyeing the grocery boys. I heard you asking questions of each. Who killed the pork chops? What price bananas are you, my angel? I wandered in and out of the brilliant stacks of cans following you and followed in my imagination by the store detective. We strode down the open corridors together in our solitary fancy tasting artichokes, possessing every frozen delicacy, never passing the cashier. Where are we going, Walt Whitman? The doors close in an hour. Which way does your beard point tonight? I touch your book and dream of our odyssey in the supermarket and feel absurd. Will we walk all night through solitary streets? Trees add shade to shade, lights out in the houses, we'll both be lonely. Will we stroll dreaming of the lost America of love, past blue automobiles and driveways, home to our silent cottage? Ah, dear father, graybeard, lonely old courage teacher, what America did you have when Sharon quit pulling his ferry and you got out in a smoking bank and stood watching the boat disappear on the black waters of Lethe? Are you my angel? Ginsburg wonders about Whitman. Are our poets angels bringing us the news without which, William Carlos Williams says, men die miserably every day? It's the news we need, the news we heed on our poetry slowdown, produced by Zappa Johns for RadioMonterey.com. I'm your host, Professor Barbara Mossberg, your Dr. B, and you, you angel you, you make my day. I got no deeds to do, no promises to keep. I'm dappled and drowsy and ready to sleep. Let the morning time drop all its petals on me. Life, I love you. All is groovy. Ba -da 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 -da.